It's good to see all of you this morning. Uh, glad to, uh, that we get to uh, come together, learn about God's Word a little bit. Um, before we get started, why don't we pray and go before God and uh, ask for His help uh, as we come before His Word. So let's pray. Almighty Lord, we thank you so much for uh, your mercy. We thank you that uh, you hear our prayers even when we pray uh, in sin. We thank you, Lord, that you respond and that your will is greater than ours. May you teach us these things, Lord. Teach us uh, how to humbly submit, how to trust you, um, and how to walk by faith. Lord, all of this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I apologize. I got a little, little frog stuck in my throat. Um, so if you hear him croaking, that's the frog and not me. Um, so uh, a couple of things that uh, we learned last time, which I think was two weeks ago. Um, so we, we've been going through Habakkuk, right? We looked at Habakkuk uh, a couple weeks ago, and we, um, we looked at the first few verses, so verses 1 through 11. Uh, and some of the things we talked about, right, was how Habakkuk was seeing the difference um, between what he knew about God, right, and what was happening in Israel. Uh, he was crying out to the Lord and saying, we need salvation, we need rescue, we need um, judgment against wickedness. Um, and then the Lord answers, right? And the Lord says, well, I'm going to send the Babylonians, and they're going to wipe out all the wickedness. Um, but the problem is that also means that all of Israel will be wiped out. It's not just going to be the wicked. It's not just going to be a judgment against those who are, who are wrong and evil. Um, but even the good people, even the righteous, will be swept up uh, by the Babylonian horde. Um, and so we talked about how it seems like the Lord's answer to Habakkuk's cry, right? Habakkuk cries out, um, how long shall I cry out for help and you will not hear, or cry to you violence and you will not save? And the Lord answers, well, I will answer, but it's just going to be with more violence. Um, it's going to be through the Chaldeans. Um, so verse 5, the Lord says that he's doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. Um, the answer is not quite what Habakkuk was expecting. Uh, possibly even not what he wanted to hear. What he wanted to hear was, it's okay, Habakkuk, I understand, I hear you, I'm going to deal with the problem that you see, um, and it's going to be great. Um, he wants to be validated in his emotions, right? He wants to be validated in how he perceives things. Um, the Lord says, what I'm doing, uh, you wouldn't even understand, if told. What I'm doing, I understand the problem better than you do. And I know what the solution is better than you do. Um, Even if it seems like the solution is more of a problem uh, than a help. So if you want to turn to Habakkuk, we're going to read the next few verses. Um, uh, If you have that in your Bible, you could probably just hit it in your phone. Um, Or if you have your Bible, you could turn to Habakkuk. If you hit Matthew, you've gone too far. Um, It's just after Daniel and Amos and Micah. Clearly, all the books that you know where those are too. Um, So we're going to read Habakkuk uh, chapter 1, verses 12 through chapter 2, verse 5. So Habakkuk uh, chapter 1, verses 12 um, through chapter 2, verse 5. Are you not from everlasting? Oh, sorry, this is is Habakkuk's response to the Lord's answer. Um, Are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? We shall not die. O Lord, you have ordained them as a judgment, and you, O Rock, have established them for reproof. 
You who are of pure eyes and to see evil and cannot look at wrong, why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? You make mankind like the fish of the sea, like crawling things that have no ruler. He brings all of them up with a hook. He drags them out with his net. He gathers them in his dragnet, so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore, he sacrifices to his net and makes offerings to his dragnet. For by them he lives in luxury, and his food is rich. Is he then to keep on emptying his net and mercilessly killing nations forever? I will take my stand at my watchpost and station myself on the tower. I will look out to see what he will say to me, what I will answer concerning my complaint. And the Lord answered me, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end, it will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come, it will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by faith. Moreover, wine is a traitor, an arrogant man who is never at rest. His greed is as wide as Sheol. Like death, he is never enough. He gathers for himself all nations and collects as his own all peoples. <clears throat> that sends the reading of God's word. Um, so a couple of things that we, we start to notice, right? Habakkuk makes a complaint, God answers. Habakkuk makes a complaint, and then God answers. Um, there's a dialogue, right? The fact that the Lord is answering is, is first proof of his grace, right, that he's answering Habakkuk. Um, but similar to the first section, right, Habakkuk's complaint is, okay, Lord, that's not what I wanted to hear. Habakkuk cries out for, for um, salvation. Lord says there will be salvation through the Babylonians. And Habakkuk says, um, now wait a minute. That doesn't seem right. Why would you use uh, people like this in order to save us? It doesn't make sense. And one thing that you notice, first of all, is that Habakkuk uh, is really good at saying true things and then turning it back on God. In the first couple of verses, what uh, Habakkuk says is, Are you not from everlasting? O Lord my God, my Holy One, we shall not die. Uh, you have established them, you have ordained them as a judgment. You have established them for a proof. You who are of pure eyes and to see evil cannot look at wrong. Right? These are all true things that Habakkuk is saying. He's saying uh, things about God that are absolutely true. God can't look at evil. Right? He can't stand the wicked's presence. He is from everlasting which means he doesn't change from age to age. Um, Habakkuk is pulling on his knowledge of God, right? all the things that the Lord has revealed about himself. Um, and yet, in the second part of verse 13, Habakkuk saying, here's what I know about you, God, but here's what's happening. These are not making sense. So either what I know about you is wrong, or you are acting in accord with your own character. Right? He takes the true thing about God and he twists it. And he turns it back on God and says, here's this true thing. Why are you not doing this, God? You can't look at wrong. So why are you letting traitors and wicked, why are you letting them prosper? Which is a great question. Right? If God is like this, if these are true things about the Lord, how can it be that God will remain silent when the righteous man is swallowed up? 
What do you think, Sean? Yeah, we do this all the time. We cry out, Lord, you are like this. You can't stand evil. You punish the wicked. You you save the righteous. Um, How can it be that he lets this happen? Let me ask you like this. Is Habakkuk saying, Habakkuk saying true things, but is he saying everything about God? Are these the only things that are true about God? Yes or no? No, these are not the only things uh, that are true about God. Charlie. Yeah, Sean. I think one of God's characteristics that frustrates me, maybe all of us, is his long suffering. Yeah. I'm not now in the church, but he has a patience that I don't think I'll ever understand. Yeah, God is, is patient in a way we don't understand. Why, why is God so patient with wickedness? John, what do you think? Okay, yeah. Patiently waited until you and me and perhaps our next generation and the generation after that. Those who are his elect have all come in. When that's done, then he comes. Yeah, so there's... Even the the saints under the altar in Revelation that Sean was talking about cry out how long, how long before you will take vengeance for our blood. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's there's a salvific element, right, where the Lord is is waiting for the full number of the elect, which might be some of the Babylonians, right? We we're not we're not certain. Um, that's not. What's that? Could be Catholics. Could, could be Catholics. Um, I don't think Catholics existed in Habakkuk's time. Um, I don't think the Pope was was hanging out. Um, no, but there's, there's the salvific, right? The Lord is, is doing something not just for Israel, but Habakkuk is, is narrow-minded. He's only focused on, on one set of people, and specifically, he's focused on himself, right? Here's what I see. Here's what I know about God. Um, instead of maybe broadening his horizons a little bit and saying, so what is, maybe God is doing something not just for Israel, uh, but for even the Babylonians, um, but he's not there yet. But he he hasn't broadened his horizons yet. I think um, Jonah in Nineveh. Mm-hmm. Jonah ran the other way after God had talked to him. Yeah. And God had a purpose. And at the end, most people come to the Lord. Now, 
yeah, the Lord is doing a, the Lord's doing more than one thing at a time. Like, we, we think that God's like us, right? He can multitask, but like not super great. And maybe he's got like two or three burners going, but we don't understand the scope that God is working in, in how, countless ways, right? Hundreds, if not thousands or millions of different ways at once. Um, but it's easy, right, to take one thing, one true aspect of God, and apply that to our own situation and say, well, God's not being, God's not being fair. God's not being fair because he's being silent while the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he. Verse 13. Um, his understanding of God is saying, here's this one true thing about God, thus everything else, God must be a liar or he's not acting according with his character. Um, but again, broadening the horizons a little bit, there are other aspects of God's character. His patience, right? The Lord is patient and long-suffering. Um, as, as well as his justice, right? The Lord is actually using the Babylonians um, to bring justice. I don't think Habakkuk is... Habakkuk tends to lump himself into this category of the righteous, right? The righteous people. Um, and saying, well, because I'm in this category, right? therefore God can't do the things he's doing. Do you ever do that? Do you ever say, well, because I'm a Christian, God's not going to treat me like X, Y, Z. He's not going to do this in my life. He can't, right? I'm one of his people. But like so many things, right, it's always, not always, but it's often flip-flopped. What we think God will do to the the wicked where he disciplines them and he shows them the error of their ways and brings the consequences. Sometimes he does, but he actually does that a lot more often with his own people. He lets the wicked have comfort and peace, and he lets them have uh, live in luxury in verse 16. Their food is rich, but for by them he lives in luxury. Right? This, this man, this Babylonian uh, horde, is enjoying the fruits of their wickedness. Habakkuk's saying, why aren't we getting that? And again, God is, is doing something in God's people that he doesn't do with the wicked. Because what the Lord says uh, in other places is that he disciplines the one he loves. And he calls Israel his son time and time again. That what he's actually doing for Israel is he is seeking to, to correct them, to bring faith to their hearts, um, and not trying to crush them, even though his justice is still at work. But here's the problem... Well, there's lots of problems, but here's one of the problems of, um, of using truth in this way, of using truths about God. Right? Here's this true thing about God, therefore it applies to everything, and God can't do anything that I don't like him doing, because this is how he is. Um, so, for instance, when, when Habakkuk makes this argument that God can't look at wrong... What's the, what's the inherent problem, then, that Habakkuk is not seeing? If God can't look at wrong, um, what does it say about Habakkuk's relationship with God? Is Habakkuk safe? What do you think? Charlie? Habakkuk has comfortably excused himself from the names of traitors in his own complaint. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's always the external person that needs the, just, the judgment, but not me. They need to be judged for their sin, not me. Right? He's, he's lumped himself. He's created this argument that puts himself at risk. He's, he's actually said, Lord, if you can't look at wrong, why are you looking at letting traitors do what they want to do? And the thing that Habakkuk is missing is, well, what are you saying about yourself? You're saying that you're not sinful, that you are one of the righteous. But <laughs> there's only two ways we can reconcile this problem. Right? Either we aren't evil, Right? If God can't look at evil, if he can't look at wrong, then we're not in that category at all. Or God has to find a way to deal with our wickedness. God has to find a way to deal with our, our wrongness, our uh, evilness, in order to be in our presence. It's, those, those are basically the only two ways. Either we're not evil, we're not wicked, or God has to find a way to deal with it. Because what Habakkuk says is true, He just is taking this way, right? He's taking this step to say where he's not wicked, he's not evil. Even though he knows he can't admit to that, he's living like it. I think we do that a lot. We don't want to ever admit that we're not sinful, right? But then when the consequences of our our own actions come, what sort of steps do we take? John? John? Yeah, then <laughs> I just got it. Uh, go to the river denial. Um, that was, that was <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you guys like that joke, just wait till the end. I got a couple of good dad jokes for you. Um, I know you're so looking forward to that. Um, yeah, we we deny. What else do we do? It's <laughs> totally. Yeah. It's not it's not really my fault. Yeah, we make excuses. First of all, that statement isn't technically true. God does look on evil. He sees it. If he didn't, we're in big trouble, folks. That's 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 fair. But I think Habakkuk's point is not that God ignores, it's that he can't be in the presence of evil. Like, him and evil can't coexist, therefore, how can evil exist? He said, not, not the author of sin, we understand that. Yeah, we understand that, and Habakkuk understands it. It's just, he's seeing the, uh, an apparent contradiction. Um, yeah, what happens when we, when our sin gets exposed, um, and, you know, I'm, I'm lumped in this category with everybody else, like, I, I make excuses, or I get, I get defensive is what I usually do. I try to find something wrong in the person who's exposing my sin. That they're not doing it in the right way. Like, yeah, you're calling out my sin, but you're being really mean and making me feel bad. Um, or, you know, that's not technically true. No, I actually did do the right thing. You just don't understand. And here's a 45-minute argument about why I'm actually in the right. Um, that's how we deal with our own sin. We try to make it go away. Yeah, Charlie. Or we, we use our knowing our own sin 
Okay. Yeah, interesting. I haven't thought about it that way specifically, uh, but I can see that. Yeah, so what, what Habakkuk is doing is lumping himself with the righteous. He's excusing himself from the equation. Um, and he highlights right, the wickedness of the, of the Babylonians. What he says in the rest of the, uh, this little section is, um, you make mankind like the fish of the sea, like crawling things that have no ruler, um, which is an interesting, interesting way of saying, like, Lord, if you're our ruler, right, if you're a king, why are you letting us be oppressed as though we didn't have a king, right? as though we didn't have a protector? Um, in a sense, he's saying, Lord, you're, you're, letting, you're opening us up to this attack. You're not protecting us. Um, and he says, here's what the Babylonians do. Right? He brings all of them up with a hook. He drags them out with his net. He gathers them in his dragnet. So he rejoices and is glad. Therefore, he sacrifices to his net and makes offerings to his dragnet. For by them he lives in luxury, and his food is rich. Is he then to keep on emptying his net and mercilessly killing nations forever? Right, this, what do you think Habakkuk is saying? Like, why, why use this fishing analogy um, and this dragnet and all of this? John? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They they attribute their success right to the instruments they use to get it. Um, but what is what is Habakkuk saying about the Babylonians and how the Babylonians view other nations? Right, how how are they treating other human beings made in the image of God? John, you've answered like six times. Brittany? Oh, like something to be devoured. Yeah. Yeah. Like like an, another way to put it is they treat human beings like cattle. Um, creepy crawly things. Like creepy crawly like things to just be swept up, you know, used and discarded. Um and this is this is in keeping with how Babylon conducted their their uh, wars, right? They'd go in, they'd conquer, and then they'd kind of disperse all the people. They'd move them somewhere else, partly to keep rebellions down, um, because you don't people don't really rebel when they're in a foreign country, but also because they they just treat human beings like cattle to be moved around, like livestock, um, the spoils of war, right? And they use everything that they have um, without care for how it hurts people. Um, Habakkuk is saying they are not treating anybody like humans. Um, They are not just idolaters. They are merciless idolaters. They are wicked in every sense. Um, And so he, he says, either this can't continue or the Lord is not keeping his word. Because if this continues, clearly the Lord has, has forgotten um, his own people. Charlie, did you have your hand up? Yeah, is, that a, is that like a verse 14? It kind of reads like a similar like charge. Like I think Michelle said it. Like Adam's charge. Like you, the woman you gave me, it sounds like the back is like, you make us like this. Like he's bringing a charge against 
Um, I think I think that's part of it. Yeah, I think he's. Yeah, I think part of what he's saying is like we're supposed to be, you know, your people chosen and protected by your kingship. Um, you're supposed to be our ruler, right? And instead, you've kind of you've dis- you've opened us up, you've dispersed us, you've made us to be like cattle to be to be ranched, bugs to be harvested, right? Which brings up a good point. Like shrimp are bugs. Um, and I don't want any discussion on that. Shrimps are bugs. Um, so then Habakkuk, right, he goes from this and he takes his stand. So at the start of chapter 2, right, read, read this whole thing as one, one smooth thing. That he says all these things and he says, here I stand. I can do no other, <laughs> in a sense. Uh, verse 1 of chapter 2, I will take my stand at my watch post, station myself on, my, on the tower, and look out to see what he will say to me, and what I will answer concerning my complaint. Yeah, so there's two different ways to read it. Um, one way to read the end of chapter, or the end of verse 1 here is, well, I will answer concerning my rebuke, um, which you could read two, two ways, right? You could say, well, I will answer concerning the rebuke I just made against God, um, or what I will answer concerning the rebuke that God is going to give me. Um, it's an, yeah, it's entirely possible. Um, and those, the different ways kind of color the verse in a couple different directions, right? They could color it as um, he's saying, here's my complaint, I'm going to take my stand, and God better answer me. Or he's saying... I made my complaint, I'm going to take my stand, and I'm fully expecting that God is going to come down hard on me. Um, I think it's probably the second one, that he's expecting a rebuke, um, but I don't think that's, I still don't think that colors him in the greatest light, because it's as if Habakkuk is going to war with God. Right? He is, he's like Jacob. He's going to go wrestle with God um, and I think he he thinks he might win. Like when Jacob went to, to wrestle with the man, right, he, he wrestled with the angel of the Lord all night, um, and even though his hip was dislocated, he still wanted to, to win, um, but the Lord was actually changing him through that conflict. Um, I think something similar is happening with Habakkuk. He is, he's wrestling with God and fully expecting the Lord to retaliate. He knows there's going to be a battle. Um, but he he's still going to take his stand. He's still going to to uh, put his his foot down in a sense. Um, so now the Lord gets to talk, right? Habakkuk talks, God talks. Habakkuk talks, God talks. So here's here's what the Lord says in verse two of chapter two. And the Lord answered me, "Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it." For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him. But the righteous shall live by his faith. Moreover, wine is a traitor, an arrogant man who is never at rest. His greed is as wide as Sheol. Like death, he never has enough. He has never enough. He gathers for himself all nations, collects as his own all peoples. 
So first the Lord says, here's, here's a vision that I'm going to give you in response. Um, it's going to be clear, right? Write the vision, make it plain on tablets so that there can't be any confusion. This is what the Lord is, is going to respond, and he wants it to be clear and plain. Um, but it's also going to be an inevitable, right? It's awaiting at its appointed time, and yet it will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. So the Lord is saying, what I'm about to tell you right, is going to happen. The things that I'm laying out in this vision are for sure. Like, th- there's not going to be any confusion. This is what's going to happen. But then he says, right, in verse 4, what doesn't seem like a vision at all, right, if this is supposed to be what the Lord is, is responding, he says his soul is puffed up, it's not upright within him. Um, who, who is that? Who is he talking about? Who's God talking about in verse 4? Is he talking about Babylon? Is he talking about... So, so which, which one, though? No, the proud, no matter who they are. Um, which, in, in the context, he's, he's talking about his soul, a specific person. Possibly, yeah. Might be Habakkuk. What are the other options? Think of all the characters in the Babylonians. Yeah. Which would make sense because Habakkuk has been referring to the Babylonians as him or he or this one dude. So maybe another person, another option, right, is that the Lord's talking about all of Israel. His soul is puffed up, meaning all of Israel is puffed up. They become proud and not upright. I think uh, the Lord is, is not telling us specifically because he means all of them. Right? His soul is puffed up. Yeah, the Babylonians, like they are clearly uh, full of their own ego and power. Habakkuk. Right here, he is taking this stand on his watchtower, looking out to see what God will answer. Right, he's—it's as though he is putting himself as as the watchman on the tower, the the soldier on the wall, to look out and see. Well, is God going to answer? I don't know. God, let me know. Well, when he's watching for the answer, which speaks to me of his faith, because you don't wait for an answer for somebody you don't expect to call back. Sure. <laughs> so good to. <laughs> <laughs> I think you can also look at that as he's throwing the gauntlet down, too, like you were saying. He's, he's pulling out the handkerchief and throwing it on the ground and making a line in the sand and just standing back and going, now, I'm, gonna, I'm, going to, I'm going to see to it that you answer me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to wait for it, but you do it. Yeah. It's kind of a challenge. I think... 
I think all of that, all of that is true, right? H- human beings are rarely purely black and white, right? In our own prayers and conversations with God, are we always holy and righteous and full of faith in what we ask of God? No, but neither are we fully sinful and at war with God. Like there's, there's faith and there's pride, and it's just kind of mixed all together in this weird little c- c- concoction, right? And our prayers sometimes sound more one or the other, but I think Habakkuk both has faith because he's crying out to God. He knows where he needs to go. But at the same time, he is putting this challenge out. He's, he's slapping God in the face with the white glove, saying, all right, your turn. So I think both of those are true. Charlie, do you have your, your hand up? Nope. Good. I mean, not... <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. No, I just, I just kind of, I could only kind of hear what John was saying, but I think the verse that you just talked about, the ambiguity of like who is the one he's talking about, reveals back his spirit, and that you said he's making war with the Lord, and that it's like he, you said he's waiting expectantly for review, and it sounds in that verse that he's ready already with a re- like a reaction himself, like I know how I'll respond to whatever the Lord will say. So let's hear it, Lord. Let's hear it. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting. Interesting point, too, right? He said, what I will answer concerning my rebuke. He already has the answer prepared. Yeah, he knows the Lord's going to rebuke him. And, I'm ready for it because I'm in the right. Yeah, he's ready to, you know, to do some fisticuffs with God. Um, he's got his, his mean right hook already. Um, yeah, so I think, behold, his soul is puffed up. It's talking about all of these. It's talking about Babylon. It's talking about Israel. It's talking about Habakkuk. Um, but what he says in the second part of verse 4 um, is really, really, really important. Because think back to the question we asked at the start, um, or near the start. Right? The Lord, How can the Lord, on the one hand, not look at evil and yet be in our presence and want to be in our presence? Right? That means that either we're not wicked and we're not evil, or God has to deal with our evilness somehow. It has to be dealt with. Um, so here's how the Lord has created a way to deal with our wickedness. Uh, the end of chapter or the, verse four, but the righteous shall live by his faith. So what does that mean? What does it mean the righteous will live by his faith? What do you think? We're saved by faith. It's true. Okay, yeah, the Lord is saying, here's how you're supposed to respond to me. Faith. Charlie? Keeping with the motif of ambiguity, I think in that verse, the righteous and his are two different parties. Why do you think that? Because the faithfulness that we shall live by is is not our own. Okay. The faithfulness that we live by is Christ's faithfulness. So the righteous shall live by his faith. That's, That's... Theologically true, but I'm not sure that's what the Lord is saying in this specific verse. Um, I think you, you, maybe you're reading a little bit of New Testament Paul into it. Um, Paul uses this verse, actually he uses it four times. Um, but I think what the Lord is saying in, in more of the context with Habakkuk is, here's, here's the man who's puffed up. right? Here's the man who's not upright, the one who, who fights with me. 
the one who, who conquers and offers sacrifices to his net, and the one who believes right, that as long as he's part of the right tribe, he's immune from God. Because why did Habakkuk believe he was one of the righteous? Why does Habakkuk put himself into this category? I, I think that's true. I think... I think I think faith is probably a better rendering. Um, you could call it faithfulness, um, and I think this is actually one of the verses that uh, one of the you know, new perspective on Paul will take. But what this is saying is right. Here's here's how Habakkuk is responding to God. You know, he's he's squaring up. He said, "God, put your fists up. We're going to go to town. We're going to fight." Um, but that's arrogance. The righteous shall live by his faith. I think there's a difference there. There's a, a contradiction in, in positions. Who are the proud? Those who trust in themselves. Who are the just? Those who trust in God. Absolutely, those who trust in God. So, so maybe to get at what it means, the righteous shall live by his faith, what's the opposite of that? What is it, what's the opposite of living by faith? Verse 5. Verse 5, what's, what's that? Go on. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, but, I mean, what is the, what's the telos of the faith, right? It's, it's peace with God. It's rest. That eschatological rest, right? The, the righteous shall live, right? Trust, faith, peace, those things are all synonymous. But the arrogant man, the man that Habakkuk is bringing into the conversation, he doesn't live by rest, peace. He is, in a sense, as Habakkuk described previously, a man of war and war against the people as if they were cattle. Mm-hmm. Matthew? Just to add on to that, um, to what others have said, in Jeremiah, God said that his people have forsaken him, the fountain of living water, and fashioned for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that hold no water. Um, and I think that's, that's kind of the, the picture here, is that instead of going, going to the fountain of living water and trusting in that for our salvation and living with that, you know, as you said, hope projected into the future, we take it on ourselves. We think we can do it ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, we have no salvation, no rest. Um, the opposite of righteous living by his faith is the unrighteous will live by sight. Right? A man who is arrogant, never at rest, greedy, um, gathers for himself, collects for himself, never has enough. Um, this is the person who looks at the, the things of the world and, and desires them, and it's never going to be fulfilled. Um, there's a few ways, right, that this shows up in our lives. Because um, I don't think most of us are probably not like Babylon, right? We're not conquering and set, making sacrifices to our nets. Um, I don't think you're making sacrifices to your paycheck uh, or to your pay stubs. But there are ways that we don't live by faith, um, Ways that Habakkuk have shown us, that Babylon has shown us, that Israel have shown us. Um, I think three ways specifically. We live by our knowledge, by our deeds, 
and by our emotions. Right? We live by our knowledge. We live um, by our own understanding. Because if we can know God, we can control him. It's what Habakkuk is trying to do at the start of this passage. He's, he's using his knowledge of God to try to control God. To say, here's what I know about God. I'm going to use this knowledge and I'm going to twist it and attack God with it. God, you can't look at evil and yet this is happening. But there's other ways that we, we live. Right? We live by our own works. We live by uh, the things that we are capable of doing and accomplishing. Or why does Babylon sacrifice to its nets? It's, it's worshiping the instruments by which it acquires wealth and comfort. It believes, Babylon believes that they have earned and gathered for themselves. Like, how do we treat our luxuries as things we've earned? Right? We treat our time as something that we've earned, that we use for ourselves. We live by our works in making us, and trying to get to the point where we can do the things we want to do. Use our time the way we want to use it. And even to the point where we start to treat other people, not like humans, but as means to an end. Brittany. Yeah, careful to say sacrifice other people. It doesn't sound great. Um, well, I would say that there's there's a worldly sense. Yeah, you go to work, you put in the you clock your hours, and you get paid for those hours. Um, but who really gives you that wealth, and does it belong to you? At the end of the day, is it yours? Does Scripture ever say that it is? That even though we put in the work, right, that it actually belongs to us because of the work? I don't think so. I think scripture teaches us that, yeah, we make sacrifices and we labor, but we do so because we love God. And he's the one who gives us blessings. Right? In, to the point where even when we don't labor or we do a bad job, God still blesses us. Right? We look at the sparrows. We see how God provides for them in, in summer and in winter, even though they never store up, they never work, and yet they have enough every year. God doesn't say, look to your own works, look to your own labors. That's where your security comes from. So in a sense, like, yeah, there's maybe a worldly sense where we can we put in the work and the time and the effort, um, but we're never supposed to view, view the things we have, the money... Um, as our own. Sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to contradict what you said. I was just um, thinking of, you're saying we do make sacrifices as in we, not like um, offerings, but we sacrifice things. Sure, okay. Sure, I'm sorry. I'm not, then I, I'm not disagreeing with you, I just, when you said it, it struck me. Okay, I'm sorry, then I, sense you use that word. I misunderstood what you were saying. I'm sorry, that's my bad. No. Michelle, did you have something to add? Okay. Good. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, yeah. So we will we will do anything to not live by faith. 
I think, is the point. That we will even go to, get to the point where we will square up with God um, instead of living by faith. Um, but there's a reason, right, that this verse gets quoted so much in the New Testament. Four times, right? In this little, this little tiny book that probably most of us have not read, um, or if we have, we've promptly forgot it, right? There's this one verse that gets quoted four times. Because, yeah, like Charlie said, there's a sense where it, it does flow into salvation because this is how we are to live uh, in light of the cross. Right? The cross calls our knowledge and our works and even our own emotions um, what they are. Filthy rags. But the cross calls those who have faith in Jesus Christ what they are. Righteous. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, the Lord calls you righteous. See, Habakkuk thinks that if he's in the right tribe, right, he's part of the right people, that he has, he has the right to call himself righteous, and God's, you know, he's immune from God. What the Lord says is, the only way is by faith. It means submission. It means surrender. Right? Habakkuk is not in a position of surrendering. He's in a position of, of war. Um, but the Lord is going to get him there. The big twist of the book is that where Habakkuk is now is not where he'll end up. Because the Lord, uh, no one can really come face to face with God and, and leave without being a changed person. We can't come face to face with the cross and not be changed by it. The cross changes us. Because it's through the cross that we see where all of our good deeds went to die through Jesus. um, And we are made righteous and complete in Christ. So may the Lord give us the grace to surrender. And when we don't understand what God is doing, to let go of our knowledge, to let go of our works, um, and to surrender to God. Uh, we're out of time, so let's, let's close in prayer, um, and then we'll have some time of fellowship before we uh, meet together. Lord, we thank you so much that you call us, uh, you call us righteous. We thank you that you make us righteous, that that's what's true about us regardless of how we feel, regardless of where we come from, even regardless of what we do. Lord, we confess that we are quick to anger. We are quick to speak and slow to listen, especially towards you. Lord, we take our stand against you when we think that you are not being fair or not treating us the way we're supposed to be treated. Lord, give us the the humility and the grace and the faith to surrender to you, to bow our knees to you, and to look to Christ, who is our righteousness and our Savior. Help us, Lord, to walk by faith, It's in your name that we pray. Amen.